Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. I read the story of the great Yankee baseball player, Mickey Mantle, who had a friend that always let him go hunting on his property. And so one day, Mickey Mantle, along with his teammate, Billy Martin, went to his friend's house to go hunting. And he went into the house, and he asked his friend, and his, his friend said, agreed, yeah, you can go hunting. He said, but I have a favor for you to do for me. He said, I've got an old mule in my barn, and he's gone crippled, and he's blind, and I just don't have the, I don't have the, the ability to put him down. Would you put him down for me? And so Mickey said, of course. So he made his way back to his, uh, to his car and to where Billy Martin was, and he decided he was going to play a joke on Billy Martin. And so he goes into his vehicle, and he's just angry and seething and angry. He said, my friend said, no hunting, no hunting. And he said, I'm so mad. So he pounded his dash, he pounded his fist on the dashboard, and he gripped the steering wheel knuckles. He goes, I'm going to teach him. I'm going to go in the barn, and I'm going to shoot his mule. And so he runs into the barn, and he shoots the mule very quickly. And he, on his way out, he's laughing, thinking he's going to tell Billy Martin it was just a joke when he hears two gunshots go off in the background. And he looks over and sees Billy Martin standing over two cows that he shot. And Mickey Mantle says, what are you doing? He says, he said, I got so mad at the owner, I wanted him to know that he couldn't mess with me either. Now, that's a humorous story, but it reveals a very real truth. Anger is probably one of the strongest emotions that we have, and it affects those around us. Uh, Jesus talks about that in our our passage for this morning. Uh, He says our anger can be destructive. And so what Jesus does as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reinterpreted, Jesus redefined the sixth commandment, which says, you shall not murder. But when Jesus takes his command, he goes uh, deeper, and he comes up with more than the, the interpreters of his day ever did. So follow along with me as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, and we will look at these words under the heading, the danger of anger. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. With these words this morning, Jesus calls every genuine follower, Jesus calls every genuine believer to reject anger. He says to every one of us, those here in this room and to those who are listening over this live, uh, live cast, beware of the danger of anger. Now, before we look at these words, uh, let, me, uh, let me tell you right off the bat, we know from Scripture and we know from the life of Jesus Himself that He does not prohibit anger. Uh, we know that. We know this because in Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 13, we see how Jesus got angry with the, uh, those who are abusing the temple for their own profit. And he drove them out 
of the temple. We also see this in Matthew chapter 23. Well, seven times Jesus called the religious leaders of his day hypocrites. He said they're bring, doing more damage to the cause of God, to the cause of the gospel, than they are helping it. And he called them hypocrites. We know in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says that he confronted Peter to his face because Peter was bringing a division within the church. We also know that Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, he says, in your anger, do not sin. So anger is okay as long as it doesn't lead you to sin and do something wrong. James chapter 1 verse 19 says we ought to be slow to speak and slow to become angry. It does not say that you can't be angry. It says that you have to be slow to become angry. So we know from the teaching of scripture from Jesus' own life and Jesus' own example, uh, his own teachings that he's not prohibiting anger. Sometimes we abuse the principle of righteous anger. Sometimes we abuse the principle of righteous indignation. Uh, you know, uh, we, we abuse those things. But listen, faithfulness to Christ and His cause will sometimes make us angry. It will make us angry over things that are going on. And can we be honest? Look, there are things going on in the world. There are things going on around us that they should make us angry. Uh, that they should drive us to anger. Listen, here, three things. When the work of God and the kingdom of God and the glory of God are under attack, we need to get angry. And we need to confront that with truth and with grace. Yet Jesus is not talking about that kind of anger. Jesus is not take, talking about the anger uh, over God being dishonored, over His Word being dishonored. Jesus is talking about selfish anger. He's talking about the kind of anger that you have when someone has cramped your style or when someone has offended you. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about when somebody has, has, has hurt you or offended you, you didn't get your way, so you got angry with that individual. Look at what he says in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, the, the, uh, the original, uh, the, the, uh, the religious leaders of the day, they looked at this, this commandment and said it's nothing more than a civil law to be applied to an actual case in a civil court. In other words, people must not commit murder because if they commit murder, they'll be in danger of being punished by the civil authorities. That was their full and that was their complete interpretation of the sixth commandment. They did not mention God. They did not mention the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, God was absent. It had nothing to do with God whatsoever. And so they were saying as long as, as one did not actually commit murder, they could honestly say in their heart, I have kept and fulfilled the law. I have kept and fulfilled the sixth commandment. But the religious leader, leaders made two mistakes. The first mistake they made is they added something to the law. If we were to go back over to the original text in Exodus and we look at the original law, the sixth commandment simply says this, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. But you see, the religious leaders didn't think that was enough. 
They said, that doesn't explain it. So they thought there had to be an, an interpretation. They thought there had to be something added to it so that the people would understand. So they added, you shall not murder. If you do, you'll be subject to the courts. That's what they said. That was their understanding of this passage. Let me tell you something, my dear friends. We get into trouble when we start adding, to, adding things to what God said. Anytime you do that, you get into trouble. That's exactly what happened to Eve in the Garden of Eden. When Eve, when the serpent came, did, did God really say that you couldn't eat of the fruit? Eve said, not only did he say we couldn't eat, he said we couldn't touch it. God did not say that. When we start adding things to God's Word, that's where we get into danger. So the religious leaders made this mistake first, is that they added to the law. The second mistake they made is they misunderstood the intent of the law. Uh, they didn't quite understand it. So Jesus takes this, this passage, this sixth commandment, and Jesus goes deeper. He goes further than they did. And this is where Jesus plunges in to the very heart of what God intended by this commandment, you shall not murder. This is where we pick it up in chapter, in, in verse 22, the first part. Look what he says. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. With these words, Jesus condemned the internal condition of anger. He condemns that which is going on internally. The word used here for anger is the word that means a long-lived anger. This is the kind of anger where you nurse it. You warm its wrath. You refuse to let it die. You brood over it. You think about it. You cultivate it. You nurture it in your heart. And Jesus says, when you have that kind of anger that you've brooded over, that you've nurtured, that you've allowed to grow in your heart, Jesus says, this person is liable to or deserving of the judgment. He's liable for the judgment. As a matter of fact, with these words, Jesus says, such an offense is an offense which makes one worthy of death. Makes him worthy of death because he says such a thing. So what Jesus is saying, when you have that kind of anger down deep inside of you, and you allow it to, to fester, and you allow it to grow, and you don't deal with it, Jesus says, in the eyes of God, you are worthy of God's judgment. This is what he says in this passage. He says, it is a capital offense in the eyes of God. So Jesus condemned the internal condition of anger, but he goes further. Jesus also condemned the external expression of anger. Look at the second part of verse 22. He says, again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Uh, this word raka, it's difficult to describe. We don't have an equivalent English word uh, to understand this word because it really describes uh, more of a tone of voice uh, more than anything else. Uh, to call somebody raka was to call them a brainless idiot, was to call them an empty-headed blunderer, call them a, a dodo head or something such as matter. It was a, a term of contempt. I have contempt for this individual. We use this word all the time. Maybe not that exact word, but we use it all the time. Let me give you this illustration. Maybe you can apply. You're driving down the highway. 
and you're driving down the highway, you're driving down the road, and you get behind somebody that's going 30 in a 50. You get behind that person, and you can't pass him because all the traffic on the other side is passing you. So what do you do? In white fist anger, you grab your steering wheel, and you go, You idiot! You idiot! Or, another case, you're driving down the road. You're going the speed limit. You're honoring the law that somebody has placed over there. You honor the law. And everybody starts crunching up on your tailgate. Are they zooming past you? What do you do? You moron! I hope they get you down the road. That's what you do. That's what you do. It's almost like the only people that know how to drive is you. You're the only one that gets it. So Jesus says, every time you use that phrase idiot, every time you use that phrase moron, in a fit of anger, Jesus says, it's like you're saying, Raka, Raka. He says, and when you do that, he says, you're in danger of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was, was the highest court in the land. So Jesus is saying, when you use that type of anger, when you use that type of external expression of anger, when you use that in belittling name-calling, and it's done in anger, it's a Supreme Court offense in the eyes of God. It's a Supreme Court offense. Years ago, there was a rock group by the name of Creed. The very name Creed stands for a, do- a, a, a tenet of truth, a doctrine of truth. And Creed was, was known for its, its strong uh, rock beat, but also for their very inspirational lyrics. It was a Christian band who used uh, modern rock music to reveal spiritual truth. And most of their lyrics had to do with some spiritual truth that they could bring up. One of the songs that they they sang was entitled, What If? This was the, the words of the song. I know I can't hold the hate inside my mind. Because what consumes your thoughts controls your life. So I'll ask you one question. What if? What if your words could be judged like a crime? This is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage. What if God judged our words as the crime itself? Jesus is saying hateful words spoken in anger are treated just like a crime. Specifically, they're treated like murder in the eyes of God. But Jesus goes on. Look at what he says in the latter part of verse 22. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus is talking about a person who deliberately and without hesitation destroys a man's reputation at a person's character. He says, this individual is worthy of the fires of hell. This individual is worthy of the fires of hell. Now, the word used here for hell, in in the latter part of that verse, the last verse, the last phrase, the word used for hell, is the Greek word Gaena. Uh, Gaena. And Gaena was a ravine south of Jerusalem that became a refuge pit. It was a, a burning, smoldering place. It was originally the place where King Ahab initiated or instituted the worship of Molech, uh, the god of fire. And in that ravine, they would literally put child sacrifices in the ravine 
to appease the God of Molech. They would burn their children to death. Over the process of time, it became a place that constantly smoldered in fire, and it became a garbage dump. In New Testament times, as Jesus was alive and walking the face of the earth, uh, it's where everybody dumped their, their garbage, and it continually burned and smoldered that way. And it became a symbol of the final judgment. So when they would see that the Guiana, you see hell, it became a place of final judgment. It recognized it, it became a place of smoldering embers that constantly burned. So Jesus is saying, he said, the individual who deliberately, spitefully slanders the character of another was in danger of the fires of hell itself. Now you better believe that when Jesus' hearers heard this, it shook their lives. And I think it still shakes our lives today, especially what we're going through in our own lives. It shakes what we hear. And when we look at these words, and we look at what Jesus is saying, our blinders are removed, and we see the definite danger of long-lived anger in the heart of a believer. Now, I know what you're saying. I thought the same thing. You say, preacher, is God really that serious about anger? Aren't you being a little melodramatic? Isn't Jesus being a little melodramatic? Isn't Jesus using hyperbole to make a point? Isn't he exaggerating to make a point? Well, I think all we have to do is look at Scripture. All we got to do is look at Scripture to see how Jesus, how God feels about this type of anger. If we were to go back and look at the life of Moses. Moses, one of the most godly individuals that ever lived. He was probably one of the greatest servants to come out of the Old Testament. Uh, he was the man that everybody held up as the, the giver of the law. You know, Moses, the giver of the law, and, and David, the example of a king. Those two men highlight the Old Testament. If we go over to the book of Numbers chapter 20, we find an interesting story. The children of Israel are rebelling against the leadership of Moses. They're complaining about that. And so Moses, uh, in his conversation with God, God says, uh, Moses, Aaron, take the staff, and I want you to go to this rock over here. Uh, the people complain about water. I want you to go over to this rock over here, and I want you to speak into the rock, and water will flow forth. And so Moses and Aaron, they go before the rock, and, and, and this is a paraphrase. He cries out to the people of Israel, you rebels, you rebels, must I strike this rock for water to come forth? And it says, in that moment, in white fist anger, Moses grabs the staff, and he hits the rock once, and he hits the rock twice. So remember what God told him, he said, speak to the rock. But he strikes it twice and water flows out from the rock and then God says this paraphrase to Moses is Moses Aaron you led the people out of captivity you brought them to the promised land but because you have dishonored me in in, in their sight you will not take them into the promised land you think God was serious about when Moses exhibited this type of anger when Moses used that, that type of anger here and he struck that rock in anger, God said, no more. That's it. 
Now, how may we apply these words this morning? How do these words fit in our situation? Jesus tells us, beware of the danger of long-lived anger in your heart. Beware of it. Don't let it grow. Don't let it fester. Beware of the, the danger of an anger that you will not let die. That you nurse, that you brood over, that you warm, and you even feed your anger. Don't let it happen. Now, there are those individuals, I know them, you know them. There are those individuals that say as long as they do not literally refer to another with the term raka, a fool, then they have not violated uh, this word. Can I congratulate you? <laughs> you have just out Phariseed the Pharisees. You've done exactly what God is condemning here. You see, Jesus was not just condemning murder. He was also condemning all anger and any vindictive word calling which accompanied it. Jesus is saying by this word this morning, do not kill any man with a shotgun blast of anger. Do not stab any man's soul with a malicious word. Do not choke any man's character with angry words. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because if you do, you are in danger of judgment. I read the story about a snake charmer who had this snake that he raised. And he taught the snake to wrap around his body on command. He'd go, he would go, a coil, and the snake would coil around his body, wrap up, and then stick his head out and go, hiss. And then he would say, retract, and the snake would retract and move and crawl away. And it became a great success, uh, this little snake. That he, so he took it on the road, and he made a lot of money doing this. Every time he'd go, coil, and the snake would come over and coil around the body, stick his head out and go, hiss, at the people. And he'd go, retreat, and the snake would unwrap and slither away. He took it one time to, to a theater. and He had the largest crowd he'd ever had in his life. And they came to see this great snake charmer, what he could do. And he was on the stage and he said, Coil! And the snake came up and coiled around him like it always did. Stuck his head out and hissed at the bird. And then the man said, Retract! And the snake didn't retract. He said, retract, retract, and the snake didn't retract. Instead, the snake began coiling tighter and tighter and tighter around the man. And he hollered out, retract, retract, retract. And there on the stage, the snake choked the life out of the man. After it was over, a, new, a person was talking to the newspaper reporter about it. He says, I remember when he had the little snake. It was just a little tiny snake about that big. He could have crushed it in his hand and killed it, but he fed it. He nurtured it. He cared for it until it grew to the point where it killed him. This is what Jesus is saying to us. The moral of the story of this, don't go the route of anger. Don't embrace it. Don't harbor it. Don't nurse it. Don't befriend it. Don't play with it in your mind. It will crush you. Crush it 
Crush it while you still can. Get rid of it while you still can. Take the words of Paul. Don't go to bed in anger. Deal with your anger at that moment. Deal with it. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. You can look it up. It's so serious. God says this type of anger is so serious, it can cut you off from God. It will cut you off from Him. He says that type of anger will crush you. It will destroy you. Let me ask you a question. Do you have uncontrolled anger, long-lived anger, anger that you nurse, anger that you warm, anger that you cultivate in your life today? Jesus' word to you, Jesus' word to me, Jesus' word to all of us, such an anger can be costly. Such anger can cost you. It can cost you joy. It can cost you happiness. It can cost you victory. It can cost you sleep. Listen, it can even harm your personal witness. But can I be even more blunt? That type of anger can cost your church revival, renewal, and witness. It will destroy God's church. If you are angry with someone in the church, it's not only detrimental to you, but it's detrimental to the church and to the cause of Christ in the world where He placed us. Remember, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And we ought to reflect that in the world in which we live. So Jesus says to us today with these words, beware the danger of anger. Beware. Listen, if there's someone that you are angry with, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with it with that individual, and you need to deal with it with God. Maybe you need to go to God first and say, God, give me the ability to forgive and move past that. Because Jesus' words today stand in sharp rebuke to any of us who might be angry. Jesus said, don't mess with it. Don't go that route. Don't do it.